Greetings, everyone. I'm excited to welcome Matt Welsh, CEO and co-founder at Fixie.ai to the show. Welcome, Matt. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on. So let's dive right in. Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, so I started my career in academia. I actually did my PhD at Berkeley right around the time of the first dot-com explosion <laughs> and blow up mm -hmm. and ended up going on to be a professor at Harvard for about eight years, spent some time thinking about what I wanted to do with my career, left for Google, spent about eight and a half years at Google as an engineering director. And then a few years back, left Google for the exciting land of startups. And so after spending some time at a couple of startups and now uh, have started my own company. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's I love that background. So academia, PhD, and then Harvard, Google, uh, and now into the, the startup world. Really interesting. And so obviously you your background, technical in nature, then engineering. Yeah, I mean, I, I still write code. Mm -hmm. Often the people on my team wish that I did not. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm very much an engineer, very, very much technical. Obviously, you know, as CEO, end up spending a lot more of my time doing non-technical things, but like to have uh, a pretty close contact with what's happening in the tech space. Yeah, I love it. So let's talk about Fixie. What products and or services does Fixie offer? So Fixie is trying to make it um, very easy for companies to integrate the power of large language models into their own products and applications. So, you know, the whole world has kind of gone crazy over ChatGPT and all of the exciting new language model technology that's out there. And what we found is that these language models, in addition to being very good at generating and processing natural language, they're also really good at automating processes. You can effectively teach the language model how to do a job, and it can break that job down into multiple steps and execute those steps one by one. And a lot of companies are now looking to leverage that capability in you know whatever they're building. A lot of uh, companies are looking at this from a customer support perspective. They're saying, could we potentially automate the way that customer support is done uh, using this language model technology, but also for things like, you know, internal business processes, you know, generating reports or, or BI or HR or various other kinds of applications. The challenge right now is that building in language models into an existing engineering stack can be pretty challenging. And so what Fixie aims to do is make that really easy by providing a SaaS platform that integrates all of the pieces that you need to use large language models. Okay, interesting. So this may simplify it a little bit too much, but making it a little more plug, plug and play so these co these companies don't have to then be an AI expert, like how the heck do we integrate this into our product? You're you're simplifying it for them. That's right. Like one way of thinking about that is if if, you know, maybe going to say open AI and, you know, using their models directly is the kind of moral equivalent of buying a server and, you know, setting up a rack of machines in your machine room. Fixie is more like, you know, AWS Lambda, the kind of serverless turnkey solution that has all of the nice capabilities in there, but just a lot less overhead. Really interesting. So making AI a little bit more elegant, it sounds like. So yep. yeah, in, yeah, interesting. 
And so what year did you found Fixie? We started almost exactly one year ago. And when we started the company, initially we pitched and raised on a fairly different idea. It was around using large language models for helping developer teams become more productive. And the reason we're now in this space is as we started building that product, we recognized the power of these language models could be applied to so many other things. And so we pivoted to building out a platform solution. Okay, interesting. So one year ago, founded. And then where are you located? We're based in Seattle. Okay. All right. And is it uh, mixed work from home? Do you have an actual HQ or hybrid? We do, in fact, have an HQ that's you know growing steadily. And we're trying to primarily work from the office, although I'm at home today. Many people mm-hmm. work from home a few days of the week. And we have a few remote employees, although for the most part, we're trying to grow the team in in the office. The primary reason for that, I think, is in the early stage of a company. We're about 10 people right now. We're, we want to build a lot of trust within the team. And we think that to get the core team working together in person just uh, accelerates that dramatically. Yeah, that, definitely. So that was my next question, team size. So about staff of 10 and would yep. that be more on the the engineering side then for that pretty the much 10? all engineers right now and then we have you know one go-to-market person and we're going to be scaling up to uh probably about 20 or so people by the end of this year okay okay so nice growth plans and then when i was checking out fixia linkedin's profile it looked like uh, several other co-founders as well yeah that's right so there's actually four of us on the founding team Zach Cook is our head of product. He spent a fair bit of time at Google as a, a product manager on the Chrome and Android teams. And that's how I got to know Zach because I was a, a engineering manager on the Chrome team. And then he went on to Shopify and led a bunch of their developer facing efforts. Justin Uberti is our CTO. He spent about 15 years at Google and was tech lead and manager of the Stadia team, the Duo team, the Hangouts video team. So, you know, has a tremendously long, you know, engineering track record, building building out products that have been used by lots of people. And Hassan Bagarinazad is our head of AI. And he spent his some time at Apple and at Exnor, which was another startup that I worked at as well, and did his PhD at University of Washington. Okay. So it sounds like with that, that founding team, a lot of firepower behind, uh, behind, behind yeah. fixing their experiences. Yeah, it's a lot of firepower. And, you know, what, as, as one might expect in a company where you have that much firepower, sometimes controlling that firepower can be, <laughs> can be challenging or rather knowing where to best direct it. Yeah, I was going to ask, that's a really interesting comment because yeah, a lot of experience, big company experience. And is it really directing, focusing that energy down a common path then? Yeah, I, I think, you know, being in the early formative stages of a company, and we've come a long way since the beginning, you know, there's always that so much energy, so much expertise and, and excitement about how many things you could do. And so kind of editorializing ourselves and forcing ourselves to focus on a particular thing. You know, I'm reminded of those cooking shows where the, you know, they they put the plate and it's got, you know, 15 things on the plate and the judges say, well, you really should have just like three things on this plate. I feel like we need to do that too when mm-hmm. you're starting a, starting a company because there's so many great ideas you could work on. 
Yeah, I know. And I personally, I know I suffer from shiny object object syndrome, you know, just like, oh, that sounds great. Let, let's do that. So yeah, it seems like that would be uh, an area of focus. So what about the, the scale of the company right now? Anything you want to share around revenue size or just where, you at, where you're at at scale right now? We're, we're definitely pre-revenue. And okay. the way that we're, you know, structured today is where we've released what we call the developer preview of our product so that you know, anybody can go online to fixie.ai and sign up and uh, start using the platform. And that's just completely free. And our goal right now is to use that as a vehicle for learning a lot about what people want and what they need. And so we're partnering with a number of companies right now that we're doing pilot projects with and deployments with, and kind of moving to the state where we better understand their needs and we can really dial it in. And then we kind of want to kick into the scale and the revenue generation thing. So in a lot of ways, it's it's kind of burning cash while you get to product market fit and then you focus mm-hmm. on growth. Yeah, yeah, really interesting, you know, where you are right now. So tell us a little bit about then, I know pre-revenue, but your go-to-market motion just to get people to try out your product. Like how, how are you finding, you know, people and who, who are you finding? Are these software engineers? Tell us a little bit about how you're you're getting folks on your platform. Yeah, I was describing this to uh, someone on our team this morning is we're, we're kind of taking a pincher movement approach in which we're focused on two different areas. The first would be individual developers that are looking for a solution to integrating large language models into their stack, as well as companies, you you know, kind of talking to CEOs, CTOs, CIOs that are looking for an AI solution for their product. And so we want, we're having both sets of conversations by putting out the developer preview and starting to open source some stuff and build a community around that. It's allowed us to get a lot of feedback and get people onto the platform. There's a few thousand people now building things using Fixie. On the other hand, spending more time in a more of a top-down go-to-market approach where we end up reaching out to companies and and often they frankly reach out to us and say, you know, we're looking for an LLM-based solution. We've run into trouble building our own, or we're hitting a brick wall, or this is seeming more difficult than we'd like it to be. You know, can we chat and find out? How, how you guys might be able to help us. In, in for those developers coming on, I, I imagine when you're reaching out to companies, you're just doing that outreach, the CTOs, whoever, but for those individual developers, I mean, is this an inbound, like you're push, producing content, just trying to generate awareness? Yeah, it's basically a combination of things that, mm-hmm. you know, putting out blog posts, we have a Discord community, you know, we have the open source example and SDK and you know, putting out demos and showcasing what we can do and showcasing what others can do. We've done hackathons, we're, we're doing meetups, generally just trying to get the word out and really you know, wanting to figure out, com- coming back to that question of you know, firepower and how to direct our energy is where to best direct that, that energy. Like we could try to appeal to a very broad swath of developers, but we don't think that that's necessarily the best way to use our limited bandwidth, that we want to be fairly focused and targeted in terms of who we're trying to reach in terms of that developer focus motion. Okay. So not just any engineer out there, but someone, yeah, that seems like the, it really interesting is boy who puzzling to me, like, okay, someone who would actually be interesting in the, the language processing for their application. And, it, and it's interesting because the applications of this technology are 
so diverse and people are coming at it from so many different industries and verticals and development backgrounds, right? I mean, we're seeing web developers, we're seeing backend server cloud developers, we're seeing AI engineers, we're seeing hot hackers and enthusiasts. And, you know, ultimately we need to have a pretty firm opinion about where we want to direct our energies there because it's going to be very difficult to be all things to all people. Yeah. And in as far as industries that you're targeting, I obviously technology platforms, SaaS companies, you know, starting with that, are there other industries that this is applicable to? Well, we're maybe seeing house. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing across the board, like there's going to be plenty of tech companies that are trying to build software products that want to integrate large language models. But you know, we're also talking to companies, you know, we're talking to banks, we're talking to insurance companies, we're talking to travel agencies, we're talking to retail. And and it's it's so diverse. And it's fascinating to learn a lot about what those the challenges are in those different spaces. You know, we all come from places like Google and Apple. So we kind of understand the tech company uh, market, but we don't necessarily understand, say, the retail market. And this ends up being a, a a great learning opportunity. Yeah, really, right. Different language, different metrics in these industries. So are you talking to all of them? Are you trying to limit it to a certain niche right now? So you're I not just... Right uh, now, yeah. we're kind of casting a wide net, but we mm-hmm. definitely know we're not going to be a great fit for all of these. And so the more that we learn, the better we can refine our palette, so to speak, and know where we want to spend our energy um, I think just because we're so early, we're having a very broad set of conversations. But, you know, over time, my expectation is that we're going to get more focused on very specific verticals. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And let's talk capital side. How much capital have you raised to date? Yeah, so we've raised 17 million. We did, and it's a seed round, uh, it's mm-hmm. large for a seed, I believe. Yep. But we did an earlier seed round of 5 million that was. Uh, co-led by Zeta Venture Partners and Signal Fire. And that got us off the ground and humming along and had our first few hires. And very rapidly earlier this year, as the hype and the excitement around things like ChatGPT started to heat up, you know, I just started getting a tremendous amount of inbound interest from VCs that were um, looking to find places to invest in this really exciting space. And you know, we were not alone in that regard. There were some other companies mm-hmm. coming up at around the same time that that also were pretty successful at at raising capital. We decided to seize the moment and go ahead and do a second sort of a seed extension, even though we weren't technically quite ready for the additional cash in the sense that this was not going to be a Series A. This is more of a seed, but we felt like you know right now is a good time given the excitement in this space that we might as well, you know, raise some additional funding and and be able to double down. Yeah, because 17 million seed round is large, according to my data, around four-ish, four and a half million typical median seed round for kind of general SaaS. But like they say, raise capital when you really don't need it. So you sell it, yeah, just leverage the kind of the, the tailwinds, you know, to extend that seed round. I think that's right. I also tend to think that people get a little too hung up on the size of rounds. And I've, you know, mm-hmm. been talking with many, you know, founders and um, people starting companies in a, in a SaaS space. And, 
you know, they're saying, well, you know, this other company raised 10 million, I should be able to do the same thing. And, you know, my advice is raise the amount of money you think you need to get to the next stage of your development. We decided that given the excitement in this space, we just wanted to go big. And so taking the cash a bit on the early side, rather than kind of go slowly and control our mm-hmm. burn and, and not necessarily hire out more people right away, just seemed like the preferred approach, but it could have gone either way. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, which leads nicely into this next question. What triggers or milestones led you to that overall raise? I mean, you had the 5 million and then the extension of the seed, but it sounds like a very technical product, probably a lot of developing firepower that you need. So what did you see that said we should raise some money for this venture? I think what was happening is just broadly speaking in the market being there being so much excitement around the potential for large language models and the sense that because it's early days, there are not incumbents in this space that we would need to worry about displacing. And so there's a huge opportunity to be one of the first companies in the market that is specifically specifically targeting enterprise developers that are trying to use large language models. And by positioning ourselves that way, we think we have a first mover advantage that we just want to take advantage of. Okay. Okay. Interesting. And so saw that really saw that market opportunity, it sounds like to raise, and then a product like yours, is it something that would be harder to bootstrap just because it needs, sounds like just that engineering talent? Yeah, I think I think that there's both, you know, CapEx and OpEx there, primarily mm-hmm. the engineering talent. On the OpEx side, of course, you're, you know, calling out to large language models, either ones that we host in our infrastructure or that are hosted elsewhere that are not cheap. And so you need to have enough capital on hand so that you can get that business off the ground. Also, I think it's really valuable to have that the equity that you can give to early hires so that they have a high degree of confidence that they're, you know, going to have some kind of upside, um, especially in the AI space. It's, it's fiercely competitive hiring people uh, in this, in this area. And, you know, we've been helped somewhat by the layoffs happening in the larger, you know, in the larger tech companies lately and, and being able to, you know, tap into some talent that would not otherwise be on the market, I think. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And then any fundraising lessons that you'd like to share with the founder community as far as your experience at Fixie, you know, pre-revenue, you know, raising a sizable round, was that the vision, the market that you were selling that story to potential investors to raise that round? Yeah, I, I actually wrote a uh, a blog post about this uh, a few months ago before we raised the seed extension that talked about my own experiences raising that initial $5 million seed. And I think for us, it came down to really the market being so hot for this particular space and the team and our backgrounds, I think, being a a huge benefit to us to be able to do that kind of raise at that time. I think for founders that don't necessarily have the same uh, resumes uh, that we do, then, you know, the, the expectations for proof points in the market and for traction in the product and so forth are going to be much higher. So our experience isn't necessarily representative. We certainly learned a lot through that process of raising. And and I think for me personally, the biggest takeaway that I gained from that experience was 
really seeing venture capital firms as uh, partners and and helpers rather than as a just a source of cash. <laughs> and now that's obvious to any founder, I think, who's been through this before, but it's my first time as a founder. Mm-hmm. And so really seeing how much time and energy and help they can provide. Not all VC firms will do that, of course, but there are those that are you know hugely dedicated to helping their founders. And we've gained a lot of value from that. Yeah. And that comes up a lot, founder investor fit, believing in the vision, what value can they add and so on. So yeah, very, very common looking for that in these, in these capital raises. So at your stage right now, we're just trying to find that product market fit, get developers on the platform, get all that feedback. Is there a a favorite number or metric that you're focused on right now to guide your business? I think it'll end up being something like, you know, we would like to have the early indications of product market fit by the time we're ready to raise our next round, which would be a series A. It doesn't necessarily seem that we need to have a specific ARR target in mind. I mean, generally speaking, people like to say, you know, a million ARR or something like that is a good benchmark to use. And that that would be great. We'll definitely try to aim for that. But I also think there's other metrics that end up being important when you're a developer platform like us. And some of those things are, you know, how many people are using your open source version of the platform? How many developers have signed up to the free trial? You know, how many GitHub stars do you have? All of those things. And so there's proxies for traction and, and, and proxies for revenue that one can also rely upon. I mean, ultimately, it has to be about revenue and it has to be about customers really being able to use your solution and be willing to pay you for it. Of course, there's no substitute for that. But I do think that while you're on that early journey to PMF, it makes a lot of sense to, you know, use those other signals as well as indicators of, you know, whether you have the right solution or not. Yeah. And it's always right metrics for the right stage of your company where maybe revenue, not quite what you're focused on, but just, you know, that whatever metrics they are to figure out that product market fit and get ready for that series A. So really appreciate that insight, Matt. So as we wrap up here, what's next for Fixie? What's coming up that's new and exciting? Well, you know, we're just having a a blast building out this system and and getting uh, a bunch of customers on board and exploring their use cases and their needs. So you know the the product is maturing rapidly, and we're getting a lot of great feedback and and you know uh, excellent uh, uh, results from some of our pilot projects. So I think the next big thing that we're going to see coming out, as far as our product goes, is just uh, a really robust way of building applications that leverage the power of large language models. And we've seen this technology is advancing so fast; it's 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 much faster than anything else I've worked on in my career that uh, you know I'm I'm hugely optimistic about how powerful the platform can be and then resulting applications that are built on top of the platform so you know really looking forward to seeing what some of these developments end up doing for our customers yeah, a lot of exciting stuff and definitely kind of getting into all that uncharted territory as this is so much new stuff coming into this field. Uh, so, so Matt, I really appreciate your time and sharing your story and background. If listeners would like to learn more about Fixie, where should we send them online? Yeah, just check out our website. It's Fixie, F-I-X-I-E dot A-I and uh, everything is right there. 
Perfect. And we'll, I'll see if we can link up your blog post in the show notes as well. Those are the lessons learned from, from raising. So yeah, if you'd like to learn more about Matt and what they're doing at Fixie, check out Fixie, F-I-X-I-E dot A-I to learn more. And Matt, really appreciate your time and sharing your story today. Thanks a bunch.